All right, if you would, uh, turn in your Bibles. You can grab a Bible. There should be a Bible underneath your seat. And you can turn to um, Matthew chapter 10. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, Turn to Matthew chapter 10. Jeff is at a wedding. I don't know who's getting married, but he's there marrying them. Uh, So we're going to do kind of a a one-off, if you will. Take a break from Philippians and... uh, and we'll be in Matthew chapter 10, which I need my Bible to be able to do this. Matthew chapter 10, and we'll be in verse uh, 16 through 31 this morning. I'm going to say a prayer, and then we'll hear from God in his word. God, again, we thank you for speaking to us. We thank you for being here. We thank you for being here in power and in grace and mercy and tenderness. And We pray that you would speak to us. We spend much of our lives speaking and acting and working. Um, Help us be still and know that you are God. Help us be quiet and hear from you clearly. Uh, Make these things, as we say here at Redeemer often, real to our minds, uh, clear in our minds, real to our hearts. Strengthen our repentance to you. Strengthen our faith in you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so as many of you know, uh, life is hard. I don't know if you know that yet, but life is hard. I tell this to our students a lot in youth. Uh, We'll talk about life being hard, and a lot of times what I say to them is two things. I'll say, you know, some of you know this. Some of you know life is hard. Some of you have experienced suffering already. Um, And then some of you are experiencing it now. And then I'm also aware that maybe for some students, when they hear that life is hard and suffering and difficulty, maybe they think like, I don't know, life's good. You know, the lucky charms were prepared for me this morning. You know, I was woken up. I didn't have to think about what time to get up. Um, And so I say, if you don't know this, you'll know it one day. You'll know that life is hard one day. Life is hard for a host of reasons. And you can start with just yourself. Just yourself, regardless of anything or anyone else in your life, life is hard just having to deal with yourself. And we could look at this a thousand different ways, but, but just dealing with yourself. Do you walk around just feeling great about yourself? Feeling great about what you've accomplished in your life, feeling confident just in who you are? Uh, do you feel good about what you're doing? what you've been doing with your life, what you plan to do, what your future might hold? Do you feel good about how you spend your time? Do you feel just amazing about the kind of husband you are to your wife or the kind of wife you are to your husband? Do you feel amazing? This hits me particularly hard this morning for reasons that I don't have time to get into. Do you just feel awesome about how great of a dad you are to your seven-year-old twins. Um, Do you feel great about your leadership in your company as the head honcho, the boss, how you treat your employees, how you lead them? Do you feel just great about you as an employee and how you're serving the company, the business you work for? How do you feel about being how you are as a friend and relationships? and friendships, or how much money you have, or on and on we could go. Just dealing with yourself 
regardless of everything around you and everyone around you, just being you is just hard. Just dealing with yourself. Even scary. Even scary. And then consider the additional difficulties that are introduced into your life by people around you. By your friends, your spouse, your seven-year-old twins, your grandchildren, your parents. Redeemer, not that Redeemer would ever annoy you, but hypothetically speaking, your church annoys you one day. You know, Just think about how life can be hard. Just... You, you, your, your life is upended by health issues. Um, you're fired. Your child turns their back on you. Someone, someone you don't even know, random person, attacks you in some form. Right? Life is hard, even scary, when we consider all of the things that are introduced into our life that are just totally out of our control. And even when those things aren't happening, life is hard, even scary, because we know they can happen. We worry they might happen. What does this afternoon hold for me? What does next year hold for me? And none of that is to mention just all of the scary stuff out there, you know, that maybe is not even directly, immediately, personally affecting us, but just knowing it's happening, knowing it's out there makes life hard, even scary, regarding our own country, cultural decline. I mean, you think about even just the past few years, realities regarding Afghanistan and Ukraine and Israel and Gaza and hearing World War III more times than you want to in a given day recently. I mean, life is hard and even scary just thinking about this, the scale and the magnitude of what's going on uh, out there. Life is hard. In Matthew 10, where we'll be this morning, Jesus tells his disciples, the apostles, what's ahead of them. What's coming? He's laying out, this is going to happen. This is what your future holds. And it is terrifying what he tells them. It is hard, to say the least. It's scary stuff. It's stuff far worse than what many of us here will ever experience or have to experience. And he lays it all out for them, this hard, scary stuff. And then he says this in verse 31, fear not. It's kind of funny is maybe not the right word, but he goes, hey, here's a bunch of scary stuff that's coming. And then he says, but don't be afraid. Fear not. And this tells us, as it told them, exactly why you and I don't need to be afraid today. So if you would stand with me and let's read Matthew 10, 16 to 31. I told TJ to go through 21. So if we don't have after 21, that's on me. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children 
will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say, for truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It's enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. This is the word of the Lord. All right, you may be seated. So in verse 31, Jesus says what we read and looked at already, fear not, but why not? It's a very reasonable question. Why not, Jesus? I have loads to fear. And you even just laid out a very terrifying future. You know, those verses don't exactly sound like, I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper as a sheep among wolves. Doesn't exactly sound like that. The disciples had tons to fear. Let's just look at it. Look at verse 16. He says, Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Think about this for a second. Try to imagine this picture Jesus is giving them. How would a sheep feel surrounded by wolves if they fully understood that situation? How would they feel? Wolves lurking, watching, planning, stalking, and hungry, and you're a sheep. How would you feel? That's what Jesus is saying. That's where you're going. That's what it's going to look like. That's what it's going to feel like. Sheep among wolves. Perhaps you'd feel of no value other than the value of being, you know, dinner. Just no value. Defenseless, doomed, no point in fighting. Just give up. Just, you're done. Just quit. Just lay down. Jesus says, that's where you're going. Of course, they know that's how you're going to feel, like a sheep among wolves. Okay, so, okay, that's a, that's a scary uh, word picture there, illustration, Jesus. What exactly is going to happen? Who, who are the wolves, and what, what are they trying to do? He says this in verse 17. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. You'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake. So he says the rulers and the powers that be are going to oppress you and hate you and question you and beat you and even kill you. Not a great, not a great future there. Just they're going to treat you as of no value. No value in your existence, no value especially to society, just worthless, no value. And add insult to injury, he tells them that right before this beating that they might take and right before this uh, being killed, you're going to have to do some public speaking. Oh, joy. 
one of, one of the, 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 the listed greatest fears of all people, having to, to stand up in front of people and speak. And so he says, don't be anxious about what you're to say. You know, It's like, I'm about to be beat. I might be killed. And then they're going to say, can you please give a speech before this happens? Nice. I got to give a, a speech before the public. But he says, don't be anxious. I'll give you what to say. Now, maybe you think... Maybe right now you're thinking, um, okay, you know, the rulers, the government can come after me, you know, whatever. They can question me and, you know. Jesus says this, verse 21, brother will deliver brother over to death and the father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. You know, it's one thing to say the powers and the rulers that be, the government over you is going to oppress you, you know. And then it's another to say, guys, families are going to tear at the seams. Brothers are going to go against brothers. Fathers with this principal calling to make their children feel safe and loved and cared for are going to hand them over. Just give them up as a sacrifice. And then children who have just been cared for and protected and provided their whole lives are going to turn on their parents. Families, y'all, Jesus is saying, are going to tear at the seams. Utter chaos. People, families, brothers treating brothers as of no value. Fathers treating their children as of no value. And then just to, just to kind of bring this summary to the disciples. Jesus says in verse 22, and you will be hated by all. So in case this hasn't hit home, and by the way, everyone's going to hate you. By the way, you're going to go town to town preaching and they're going to hate you and and come after you. And then you're going to flee to the next town and they're going to hate you and come after you. And then you're going to go to every town throughout all Israel and just do it over and over and over again. Everyone's going to hate you. And you're going to be persecuted. And you're going to perpetually feel like this little sheep with, with wolves just lurking all around you. Pretty scary stuff. Life is hard. And the disciples knew I mean, the disciples knew. Perhaps it gives new perspective of maybe, maybe this is why a little bit Peter denies Jesus. I mean, he knows what's coming. It's not like, I mean, he knows. He knows. I know what's coming if I hold fast. Jesus told me, you know. Life is hard and even scary. Now, after laying all of this out, Jesus tells them even still, do not be afraid. He says it three times in this passage, this teaching to the disciples, three times, have no fear. Do not fear, fear not. But why? Why not fear? It looks like you just gave us tons of reasons to fear. Why not fear this morning? You might think my life feels out of control, my family feels out of control. My marriage feels like it's slipping away. I feel like I have no friends. My career feels up in the air. My country 
My own nation in which I live just feels upended, let alone the countries and the nations around the world. It just feels like chaos. I have loads to fear. Why would I not fear? Why would I not be afraid? It seems reasonable. Jesus gives one principle reason in this text. Look at verse 29. He says, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. Why not fear? Why not fear? Jesus says, because this creature of, of, of the least value on the planet, this tiny little bird that we have plenty of, is tended to by God. Jeff has mentioned it before. Uh, we have an employee here who loves animals. Um, and you'll come into the office, and uh, I won't use her name, but Amanda will have animals in the office. And you won't know. You'll come in, and you'll talk. Like, you could have a 15-minute conversation, and there's, like, a box on the desk. And then all of a sudden, she's like, there's skunks in there, like baby skunks. And you're like, okay. I would have shortened this conversation if I would have known this. Um, She's brought squirrels in, baby squirrels, a handful of times. She might have some with her now. Honestly, I would ask. Um, she's brought in squirrels multiple times, and I'm just gonna, I'm gonna clue you into her godliness and my ungodliness. She tends to these squirrels, like these little baby squirrels, and feeds them and loves them. And I try to just bite my tongue on the different jokes that come to my mind and things like that. But I think to myself, she loves them, and she's godly, and she's like God in that way. She's taking care of them. And I'm thinking, hey, they're not exactly endangered species. <laughs> I just got my boys a BB gun. You know what I mean? That's... That's like where my mind is going. I'm like, they're not. I wouldn't understand if she brought in like a baby T-Rex. I'd be like guarded at all costs, you know? But squirrels. So I don't think as similarly to God regarding the squirrels as Amanda does. And that's precisely Jesus' point here. It's precisely his point. This little creature that you think no value like, even if they were endangered, just let them go, you know? No value, no contribution. Like, what's the point? You walk by them, it's like, whatever, the sparrow, you know, or the squirrels. We got plenty of them, not a big deal. That's precisely Jesus' point here. He says, look at that animal, look at that creature, this creature of just least value, has someone watching its every move with love and with care. And it's not just anyone watching that sparrow. It's not just Amanda. It's God himself. It's God himself tending to its every move. When we walk by the sparrow... We don't stop to pay attention. We don't stop to take care of it. We don't stop to check and make sure it's all right. By we, I mean 
all of us, and then Amanda. We look back, and there she is. Uh, but we just move on by. But God stops. That's what Jesus is saying. God stops with a heart of love and care for that little old sparrow. Now, you might think, okay, that's great, um, but I'm not exactly worried about the sparrows this morning. That's great that God tends to them. I'm not exactly worried about them. What about me? Does God value me? Does he see me? Is he watching my every move? Is he taking care of me? Look at what Jesus says in verse 30. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Now, I know that, that this text you may be very familiar with. You've heard it a thousand times. But notice, notice that Jesus says it's not just that, that God knows how many hairs are on your head. The average person has 100,000, 150,000 hairs on their head. It's not that he says he knows how many hairs on your head. He says they're all numbered. They're all numbered individually. He knows each one of them. And I know that that kind of care and tending to among us would be weird. I love you so much, I'm going to count, you know. And that's precisely the point. This is meant to blow your mind. That's the whole point. This is meant to blow your mind, surpass what your mind can possibly comprehend. You don't just know how many hairs are on my head, but they're all, each and every one of them is numbered. He knows each. It's not just that he knows how many sparrows exist on the planet. He knows each and every little one of them. It is a care, it is an involvement, it is a tending to that our minds cannot comprehend, that our hearts cannot fully grasp. It is a love that goes beyond words and understanding. We believe that God might not even be aware of us. We struggle to believe that. Do you even see me? Do you see what's going on? Do you understand this, God? Are you just aloof? And Jesus says, he knows each and every hair on your head. What does this mean? It means that Jesus knows that the difficulty that the disciples will face will scream one message at them. God doesn't care about you. You are not valuable to him. Jesus knows that is the message that their hardships and difficulties will preach to them. You don't matter to God. Jesus knows that the difficulties and hardships in your life scream that at you every day. You don't matter to God. You're not valuable to him. Do you see how your friendships are falling apart or perhaps you feel like you don't have enough friends or the best kind of friends? Do you see that? Do you see how God doesn't value you? Do you see how your work doesn't value you? It's because God doesn't value you. That's what we hear. That's what we think. That's what we feel. Do you see how your marriage seems to be slipping away against 
all of your best efforts, that's because God doesn't value you. He doesn't see you. He doesn't care about you. Jesus knows that's what we think and that's what we hear. We are afraid in life ultimately, ultimately, because we don't think God values us. We don't think God cares about us. We don't think God knows and sees and is tending to our every move. And then this text, and right here, Jesus preparing his disciples and speaking to us through this text today, lobs uh, good news dynamite into that reality. God values you in a way that if you could fully comprehend it, your very heart would explode. It would explode. Your mind would explode if you could fully comprehend it. It is a love and a care that surpasses what you can understand fully and totally grasp and totally comprehend. And notice, notice how this text is saying this. It has nothing to do, God's value of you has nothing to do with how good of a person you are or how much you contribute or what you've accomplished or how few times you've yelled at your kids or if you remembered your anniversary this year or if you're volunteering at the church enough. What does the sparrow do for God? What does the sparrow contribute to society. The, the, the perspective of this text is, is nothing. That's the point. I was listening to a podcast this week uh, between a comedian and a journalist. And the journalist said this, two guys who are not Christians, but, but on point about the human condition. The journalist said this, you have no idea what you're doing just in life. You can't extend your life by a single day. Just admit you have no clue, you're doing the best you can, and you're a totally screwed up kind of embarrassing person. And then he said, and be liberated. He's right about the key to knowing our value in life is admitting first how insignificant we are and have become. And starting at that point of going like, I'm just a sparrow. I, I have contributed little to nothing in my relationship with God. All I bring to the table is my sin and my problems and my issues. I'm this totally screwed up kind of person. The perspective of this text is the sparrow contributes nothing, but God cares for its every move. And the perspective of this text is you contribute nothing to whether or not God cares for you. You're a weak sinner. In fact, you were an enemy of God. You weren't just a neutral player in this thing. You were actually born an enemy of God. And when we know that and admit that and embrace that, we are positioned much better to understand the amazingness of God's grace. It's the whole point of Romans 5. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Contributing nothing but the problem, that's who God loves. That's when Jesus died for you. While you were ungodly and an enemy of his. 
admitting that you're a totally screwed up kind of embarrassing person only makes you more positioned to know the magnitude of God's love for you. The magnitude of his grace, the magnitude of his mercy for you. It makes you more positioned to know how incredible it is that Jesus went to the scariest, hardest place imaginable for you. Being considered worthless by nearly everyone around him without value and being considered and counted a guilty sinner of the worst degree on the cross. That's where he went for you. He was considered worthy of only death, only being questioned, beaten, and killed. Worthy of only that, like a sparrow, he then falls to death. And he goes there for you. He goes there for you who are ungodly, you who were his enemy. He did it for you. In Christ, this text is saying we are of utmost value to God. Regardless of what your experiences and your situation and everything going on in your life, you are of utmost value to God in Christ. So, fear not. Amen? Amen.